week in racing. It's time to recap it. And who better to do it than Michael and Magic? Two bros slash pros who cover the highs and lows of racing around the globe on every one of their shows. Real fans look forward to these guys and their last thoughts because they know they're not talking out of their royal ascot. What they say makes sense. So ladies and gents, sit back and relax as Blinkers Off presents The Magic Mike Show. Where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show. Tune into the show every week. The Magic Mike Show. You can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com. What's up, everybody? I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. And this is The Magic Mike Show, episode 349. Mr. Samich. Super huzzah. Super huzzah, super huzzah to you too. Happy uh, Super Bowl Monday. I am rehydrating, not because I'm hungover. I'm just very tired. How are you doing? Oh, I'm, I'm tired as well, man. Super Bowl, <laughs> I, I don't understand. Someone tweeted this. The Super Bowl should be on Saturday. I, I mean, we have two weeks leading up to it. Everyone is wrecked the next day anyway. It seems like no one gets anything done. Why not just make it like a national holiday and, and give everyone Monday off? Or just play the game on Saturday and not have to worry about it. There's probably, well, the whole thing about Super or football being played on Sundays and you know dating back to everybody when they were done with church and going it's that whole outdated thing I'm for it that sounds like a good idea especially because you and I have jobs where we're not really able to take the day. I mean we can kind of go slow the next day we can't really take this next day off it kind of machine keeps moving hell I was actually doing work uh, in the morning on Super Bowl Sunday as were you so uh, yeah it never really days off for us no and honestly like from a horse racing perspective having the super bowl on a saturday would make it even more difficult i mean could you imagine having prep races and everything going on on a saturday and then the super bowl's there too like it would be uh from a horse racing perspective absolutely nuts but from like just a life perspective and a not being hung over the next day perspective it'd be nice if it was a sunday well and and don't remember mike uh what weekend what? is super bowl weekend next weekend or next year, oh. uh, you imagine being NHC. Imagine being at the big table and the Super Bowl is happening. Day two, that's when you do all of your work at NHC. You can't have the Super Bowl going on and distracting you, Mike. Well, yeah, well, it's going to be going on during the final table next year because the Super Bowl kick off at three thirty, and the final table races were like between three thirty and four thirty. <laughs> so literally, the kickoff of the Super Bowl will be right there with like the fifth race of the final table at NHC. It's gonna be it's gonna be wild. They might uh, need to do some adjusting at NHC, kind of move that up a little bit time wise. Can they? I, I mean, they can do whatever they want. Right? <laughs> That's true. But yeah. They also chose Super Bowl weekend, so I'm not sure how dialed into this they are a year out. I mean, it's gonna be in Phoenix next year. Then after that, it's in Vegas. Both of those are supposed to be Super Bowl weekends at NHC. We'll see if. Uh, they keep those weekends because, man, they, they're about to get smacked in the face with some large hotel bills if they think that that's, uh, that's going to work out. Phoenix next year and then Vegas in two years? That'd be the dumbest thing in the world to have NHC. Yeah, don't do that, guys. I mean, I know that some of you still have your heads in the sand like ostriches thinking that horse racing still is going to survive sports betting. It's not. If you do shit like this, stop it. Uh, but listen, we got... A fun show because we're going to not only talk about Super Bowl at the end of it, but it is a horse racing show first and foremost. So we'll give you some Kentucky er, uh, Kentucky Derby updates. We had two prep races over the weekend and then also a third horse that emerged that we're going to talk about. And then we've also got um, – what was the other thing we're going to talk about? I've already forgotten what it was. There was something – it's in the title. Uh, keep going. Oh, we're going to preview the Risen Star Stakes. That's right because it's Saturday, this uh, this coming Saturday at Fairgrounds. And you know, thank you to Fairgrounds. Not only do they have Saturday's card out, Mike, they've got next Monday's card out. It's the it's the 14th, and I was looking at the overnights. It's like, do you want to look at the 21st? I was like, kind of. <laughs> it's nice. If we could only get takeout fixed there, it would be great. Uh, well, listen, we can, nothing's perfect in horse race. Before we get into it, what's the best thing you saw this weekend, Mike? So we're kind of doing spring cleaning right now, right? Which mm -hmm. means that you go through everything in your house, you kind of go over it. I, I'm a kind of a little bit of a hoarder, like kind of a little pack rat style on me. So I have like not really cleaned my office in probably four years. So I was going through one of the random drawers and I found this. And this is like horse racing related and also awesome. So my bachelor party uh, was at in New Orleans for the Super Bowl. So a buddy of mine works for NFL Network. He was able to get us oh, tickets. Yeah. We got there on Wednesday for the Super Bowl on Sunday. Um, Thursday, we went to fairgrounds and I found out that there was a race named after me. So right there, Mike Samich's last hurrah, won by City Times. And those are the owners of City Times who are probably like, who the hell are these five drunk dudes giving us a trophy? So, yeah. Uh, well, you've really got a, you got a lean going on there, too. Is it because is it because of the drinking or because the jockey comes up to, like, your nipples? I'm slightly taller than the jockey in that photo. Uh, but, yeah, it was, uh, it, was a, it was a blast, man. We were, we were not That's sober. Awesome. It, was, it was the fifth race. We got there at, like, 11 o'clock, and it, we, went, we went strong that whole week. But, uh, yeah, it was an absolute blast. Uh, apparently, it cost $400 to name a race at Fairgrounds. 
Um, so if anyone wants to name a race at fairgrounds, it's super cheap on a Thursday. Great idea for anyone at a bachelor party or going to the racetracks. It was an absolute blast, man. But uh, it's one of those things when you find it, you just kind of brings a smile to your face. I sent the text to all my friends, and they're like, we got to go back. Got to do it again. I'm really mad. Most of my uh, my friends back home that are single now are, are the type that are probably going to be single the rest of their lives. I can say they don't listen to the show, so, and it's also true. But uh, I've heard that's, – that's a great story, but I've also heard in New Orleans that it's really cheap to start your own parade to get a permit for it. So you can literally just start your own parade down Bourbon Street, and the people are so used to that. Of just a random, you're just like five of you going like, hey, we're on a parade. Like, you know, maybe you've got a little small sign, Mike Samich's last hurrah. They just jump in. Random people, especially because they're drinking, just jump in line. It was, uh, what was it? I hope they served beer in hell. I think that was where I read that. It was somewhere in a book. But yeah, it sounds like an awesome experience. So between that and going to the fairgrounds, yeah, sounds like a really good bachelor party. It, it, you know, Vegas is always fun, but you found a way to have the fun outside of Vegas. Yeah, New Orleans for a Super Bowl is not a bad way to do a bachelor party. It was... Uh... <laughs> Bourbon Street was interesting, man. It was a, it was a good couple days. <laughs> uh, the best thing that I saw, listen, we're talking about the Super Bowl later, and one of the things I wanted to talk about was what was your favorite in-game commercial. Best thing that I saw happen before the game started, it was the Doctor Strange 2 commercial. I lost my mind when I saw it, uh, which actually, ironically, was after the game. Uh, we were so I was so busy yesterday with Colson that I didn't get a chance to see anything before the kickoff. So uh, I ended up watching it afterwards and lost my mind. You saw how crazy I went. Uh, I texted a few other people, including Vinny. Uh, but yes, I'm very excited. Doctor Strange is my favorite MCU character. I love that first movie. I love the trippy visuals. And now you're putting Sam Raimi, who's a horror director, into it. So very excited for it. Yeah, I haven't. I have not actually seen it yet, so I got to watch it when we actually get a chance, or when we get off this, so I can check it out. But uh, Marvel spending some big bucks, man. I mean, they had they had Doctor Strange two, and then the first commercial in the Super Bowl was for Moon Man or Moon Moon Knight, or, yeah, Moon Knight, whatever it was. So yeah, so they they put up some big bucks to get uh, get two early spots in the commercial there. Yeah, um... New Orleans is a blast, man. If you've never been to New Orleans, with or without the Super Bowl, you got to go. The food is incredible. They have a Harris downtown if you want to gamble. Um, there's riverboats if you want to take cabs out. Bourbon Street is absolutely nuts. But make sure you stay on Bourbon Street. It gets a little shady <laughs> late at night if you, if you move away from Bourbon Street. Uh, but, man, it's it's a blast. Dennis, I will put you in timeout. Don't make me do it. Uh, <laughs> we'll get into that. Uh, that's the Snoops talk about later. Uh, listen, we've got horse racing to talk about. Lots of Kentucky Derby action, Mike, uh, from this weekend. So let's get into it, buddy. Riders up. All right, my first race I want to talk about, the Sam F. Davis Stakes, which is the Tampa Bay Downs on Saturday, uh, February. Where are we? So it's 12th. Uh, listen, this was a race where we thought there, you know, Classic Cause would come in a big heavy favorite because he's coming out of the Kentucky Jockey Club, a race that's producing a lot of big horses since then. Uh, he didn't disappoint. Uh, took a really pressured early lead from a, uh, a horse that we were kind of surprised was strangled as much as he was in, in Little Vic. But uh, Classic Causeway, a very impressive effort, especially in the stretch. We talked about it. There's a reaction to it that's on the YouTube page. But again, Mike, let's talk about it a little bit. What do you think? I mean, still probably the most impressed I've been with a prep so far this year. I, I thought that Classic Causeway ran absolutely huge. Uh, when you dig kind of more into it, too, the race just keeps getting better and better. I mean, he took pressure from Little Vic, who probably could have been faster than him, but he he really was winging it out there, 22 and change. As you mentioned, he, he got a little bit of a break in the second and the third quarter, but I'm not really sure how much of a break that was, because when you refer back to the chart, uh, I mean, Little Vic ends up running, uh, was it seventh in this spot? Um, Mr. Rum Runner, who was in fourth, ends up running third to last. Make It Big, who was in third, runs, I'm sorry, Rumman was fourth to last, make it big, who was in third, runs third to last, and Trademark, who was in fifth, runs last. So everyone else who was second through fifth at the first call ended up in the back half of the field. And that's consistent throughout the entire the entire race, right? No one who was in the top, uh, outside of, the, of Classic Causeway, who was in the top five, uh, finished in that top five, even after the three-quarter mile, mile point. So it, everyone just kind of dropped anchor except Classic Causeway, who just kept right on going. And one of the most impressive things to me here is Look, the final time was solid, 142, right? You, that's basically doing 12s through the whole thing. That last uh, that last 16th of a mile is six seconds. So, yeah, we slowed down a little bit, but then we kind of caught back up. We got that that speed going again. I don't know if Classic Causeway was really, really asked here. Like, And this was frustrating because I had Classic Causeway on top when I put my picks out. And I was like, man, I don't want six to five on this horse. And I didn't, don't really want eight to five on this horse because there's enough speed in here. I thought that he was going to get a lot of pressure up front. 
But man, he ran huge. I mean, this this was a, a really, really impressive performance. He was 50 to one um, when this race went off for the Derby. And he was 50 to one until about 40 minutes afterward. I tweeted that you could still get him out at 50 to one. I uh, woke up this morning and checked he's 15 to one now. So he took a ton <laughs> of Derby money as well. And uh, the Kentucky Derby Future Wager Pool 3 ended on Sunday, and I believe 15 to 1 is right around where he finished that, too. Uh, took a lot of steam, and, and rightfully so. Uh, showing this is a horse that I thought in, in his career had run some nice races before and was a, a victim of bad luck, especially the Breeders' Futurity uh, when it was Rattle and Roll ends up winning that race. If you remember, Jose Ortiz was in the saddle, and he was platooned all the way out in the 13 post, going around the 16th at Keeneland. You've got to burn and cut over, or you're going to be stuck four or five wide. And he did it, and then he ends up getting third. Double Thunder and Rattle and Roll beat him that day. And I think it took a little bit out of him, and he didn't get the lead in the uh, when he was um, in the Kentucky Jockey Club behind Smile Happy there. I think that that kind of showed that he, you know, a little bit more forwardly placed is going to be what this horse needs to do. And I read responds, well, one of the nice things about doing the reaction style that we do now on the YouTube channels, you get to see how we were reacting, how we're seeing a race live. And we've gotten some flack for it. It was kind of funny because in the moment we're all going, wow, that's fast. He can't go that fast and hold on. Look at the pressure. And there's, because if the horse was a normal horse, we're like, nah, he's not going to hold on and win this thing. I think that that shows again, how good this horse is that the three of us who are experienced at watching this stuff, we know enough about what we're talking about that we're usually right. We can watch this and go, that was too fast. I don't know. He's going to hold on. He held on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he did. And he, he looked to get stronger that last furlong when he really got started to get shaken, the rain shaking at him a little bit. So, I mean, I like, I think it's really impressive. I'm just, I'm surprised he was able to do it the way he was able to do it. Um, you know, the, the one thing I got to say, though, is a lot of these preps are being run, won by front runners. And so it's going to be one of these, either going to be a war of attrition up front or someone's going to come from the back in the derby. So that's the only knock I would have on Classic Causeway is he does seem like a need to lead type. And there's quite a few need leads right now that are, that are headed toward the Derby. So that's going to make it interesting how that early pace shapes up. And that might be the only knock on it. But, I mean, you look at someone, you know, like like White Barrio who can kind of sit right behind that and pounce. I mean, this this is setting up beautifully for someone like that. I just just, just keep banging that bell. I love it. Just keep banging that White Barrio bell. Yeah. Uh, you'll have... Uh, the only other, so he's going off to the Tampa Bay Derby. Um, Brian Lynch said that's the next goal. As is Shipsational, who I thought would a pretty good effort from him. Uh, the, it set up for him pace wise. Things kind of collapsed. And he was able to get going, but he was the best horse. He was the only one that really was continuing to run at the end. Because if you look at the stretch call, second down here, third, fourth, fifth. He came from sixth to get second. So he was the best of all those horses coming off a long break since October. A decent effort. He'll go to the Tampa Bay Derby. Do you like his chances that much, or does he seem like a second-tier horse? No, I think he's second-tier. I, I think, like, Shipstational ship, ship and Strike Hard, both of them here, were really benefactors of this pace. I mean, they both came from, from further back in the, the pack and were able to to just kind of pass some tiring horses. I think the two of them took advantage of this pace more than anybody else. So, for me, they're they're kind of... I think down the line, they could be players. They could be players in like the West Virginia Derby, the Indiana Derby races like that. But I mean, look, the, the big points races, I think they're going to struggle in because they're just not going to be the best horse in those races. And I, I'd be shocked if they end up in the gate for the Derby. Strike hard to me it just seems like a, he's a one-turn horse. I think that's where he belongs. Ship Stational is a New York bred. Um, I think after they try the Derby Trail, they'll go back to New York, and you can make a lot of money with a solid New York bred just facing state bread. So uh, yeah. that's where he'll go. Volcanic is the other one I want to talk about because uh, a horse that Mark Cassie liked enough that uh, even though he wasn't made and goes to the grade one hopeful and he doesn't win, but Cassie's showing a lot of faith there. And then he beats Charge It to start his three-year-old season. And Charge is a horse we're going to talk about next, but he gets third here. Again, it seems like maybe he benefited from the pace setup a little bit. I don't really know what to think about this horse. Should he continue on this trail? Would you move him back to to Woodbine or go somewhere else with him? Try the turf. What do you do? I don't know. This horse. This is this is a difficult one because he wasn't very good in those first two races, right? The, the Churchill race, the Saratoga race, both made in special weights. I, I mean, Not good horses that beat him that that's have come back. Problem. Nothing came out of those two races, and he wasn't good in those two races. Goes to the hopeful and just never really contends. So I'm not going to give him much credit for being in there. Um, and then you have this this wild improvement, right? Like almost a 50% improvement jump against a horse that's really good who we saw on Saturday. Like you said, we'll talk about charge it in a second here. And then comes back here and runs a pretty good race. 
I, I mean, to me, again, this is one of those horses where I, I think it's a little bit underneath. I also think it's important to mention, mention when he won, the Cassie barn was on fire at Gulfstream, like running exceptionally well. That barn was on one of their hot streaks. So I, I'm not sure if, if Cassie just had his horses fit and ready to go. And that was a specific time that they're running very well or what was going on there. So, um, yeah, I, I, I'm tend to say that he's not very good and that this is kind of an aberration, but we'll see what happens next time. It's, it's a horse I'm not going to be playing on top for sure. And I probably wouldn't put in exotics. Uh, it's gonna be very curious to see what happens. Cause he was, he was the eight to five favorite here. Uh, the win over the track at a tricky place like Tampa is usually a big deal. So when you come back for the Tampa Bay Derby, I don't really know who's going to face him. It's kind of hard to say at this point, who's going to show up for that. He's going to be a lot lower than eight to five, unless somebody like Emmanuel shows up or, you know, maybe charge it. We'll talk about in a yeah. second, but even charge, it won't take money away from classic Causeway at this point. Um, it might be smile happy would be the only horse. I think at this point that could be a shorter price at Tampa than classic Causeway. And he's a horse we'll talk about in a minute. But uh, let's go ahead and look at back at Gulfstream Park on Saturday. Uh, Charge it, the horse that was just missed on debut to the Cassie horse. He comes back in his second start. One to five, no problem. Uh, wins going away, gets a 93 buyer, which is a five points better than the 88 that um, was given for Classic Causeway. Uh, what did you think about Charge It? I know we had the reaction and everything, and it's actually it's live right now on the YouTube page. So if you guys want to, when you're done, go to youtube.com slash racing dudes, and you can get Mike and Aaron and I reacting live to this race. But you've had some time to think. Where do you go? I mean, again, I thought this was really impressive. Um, the, the thing, okay, I don't know. This is, this is tough because it's a maiden race, right? But he looks the part of a very good horse. Horse is bred to go two turns. Distance should be an issue. Horse has speed for days here. Was easily able to cl- get clear of this field and just romp when he got asked coming home. So it's one of those spots where, like, it's like watching a Baffert win a maiden special weight at, at, at Santa Anita. You're like, visually, that looked amazing. But, I, you know, how good is he? We don't really know yet. Now, Volcanic obviously flatters him in the Tampa Bay Derby because, like you said, this horse took a nice step forward, which is something you'd expect with Fletcher, but it's very important to see. Uh-huh. Um, I think it's going to be really interesting where Pletcher sends his horse next because that's going to tell you a lot of what Pletcher thinks of Charge It. Because if this horse ends up in the Tampa Bay Derby, which I think would be a logical spot, or in one of the preps in Florida, which, again, I think would be a logical spot, uh, and Emmanuel is not in the same race, he likes this horse. I mean, that that gives away, that kind of tips the hand that I think that this is a very solid Derby contender level horse. Um, man, I, I thought this was pretty impressive and i actually think you know this is we talked about this again on the reaction i'm not sure if it made the reaction or not but i stabled up three horses from this race which tells you that i I think this is actually going to be a pretty productive race behind him now do i think there's another stakes horse in this race probably not but i do think enough already wins next out i think touch code if he can get away from facing monsters i feel bad for that horse uh wins next out and you liked hard performer when we previewed this and i'm sticking to my guns that that horse on synth or turf is going to be good so, I mean, I have three horses I stabled up behind this winner as well, which which usually means it's a good race, or at least there's some talent in here. So, we'll yeah. see what happens. I listen. I uh, they are in the the pre the I'm sorry in the reaction, but I agree with you on there. Uh, especially with Hard Performer, you were very like from the moment we previewed this for the website or for sorry for Magic Mike show last week. You said they like but put this horse on th- and synthetic is great. I like that he had a lot of early like he was forwardly placed and he seemed comfortable with it, and then just faded because you know he faced a monster and charge it at least a monster effort and maybe dirt wasn't his thing. But I, that was a very good sign and. 23 to 1 in this spot. He'll probably be lower when he tries synthetic, but may, you know, depending on who shows up, might still get double digits on him. So uh, I like that horse. Poor Touch Code. <laughs> he's like, I even said it, and I was like, man, Touch Code's right there. They got to the quarter pole, and I was like, he's usually done at this point. And you go, yeah, but he's going to back up now. And sure enough, just, whoosh, dip, and there he goes with the rest of them. But uh, uh, good effort. How about Grand Luso? This was a Chad Brown horse that we were very confused about because it seemed like he was a turf horse, and we know how much Chad hates the turf. So would you expect that we wait till Keeneland and we see him show up on the turf then? Yeah, I would be shocked if you see him at Tampa next. Um, I, I that, would oh, yeah, that's an option too. Probably Tampa or Keeneland. Um, I don't think the synthetic's still not playing well to speed. I, I think that this horse, I, I mean, we talked about it before the race that around the, the show, the Magic Mike show. I thought this horse was going to show speed, did just that. That's probably not what Chad Brown is looking for is like a sixth furlong synth sprint for some of his first time starters. Um, and generally the purses aren't as big, which is something he's obviously cares about because most of the horses he's training are, are higher purchase price. And they're not trying to rip through conditions at, at low, low levels. Right. So um, yeah, I, I think we're going to see this horse at Tampa next is my guess because I look, this wasn't impressive. I was nice to show the speed, but other than that, I mean, there's really not much there. Um, so uh, Tampa turf, 
see if it's sprinting i i maybe yeah maybe like mile but I, I wouldn't be i i'm not too high on it i i this is one that i'm gonna actually fade most likely next time out because i was not impressed with the performance uh speaking of performances from chad brown horses that pissed you off uh may have pissed you off highest honors god damn it why does chad brown have a horse that for like five years was just dirt 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 well let's try turf hey he wins on turf god damn it <laughs> Yeah, we talked about that one. I, it, it, I, like, I actually pulled it off the ticket on the show, which kind of pisses me off now uh, in retrospect, especially the way that last race went. But, like, yeah, I, I, we talked about why it made sense. Look, a lot of times you're going to see these horses, they're going for the bigger purses. And so when you see a horse that's, that's dirt, 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 and, you know, highest sign was in the Travers, he clearly was one that they wanted to get to the classic or those bigger, you know, the, the $8 million, $6 million dirt races. And they kind of figured out, okay, he's not that good, right? He's, he's just not that good on dirt. We didn't really know what he was on turf. Chad's very good with turf horses. There was a tappet. There was, I think, tappets on the top side. The turf pedigree was there. He got hammered at the windows. I was surprised he went off as the favorite in the race um, because that seems a little little wonky to me for horses never touch the turf. But um, he ran well. It's gonna be interesting to see where that one goes too because I bet you're gonna see his highest honors in turf stakes races Saratoga this year, which is kind of crazy. Chad, I wonder about Chad's turf because he didn't really have like the, the the strongest stable for the turf last year for either division compared to how he usually does I mean domestic spending but um you know other than domestic spending we'll see how you know his horses can do as far I know he's got some that are that are growing this year that could be good but I know the Curlin I just uh, Miles D the Curlin Colt on dirt I'm excited to see him but I can't really think of you know big Chad monsters that you really expect to show up other than Hopefully, domestic spending returns. Let's just real quickly, speaking of turf horses, let's just get out of here or, or go real quick to talk about uh, Golden Gate Fields on set. It's not, no shot at Golden Gate. I just really, you know, this race, the El Camino Real Derby. Um, if you watch my reaction uh, as I was watching it live, I just laughed a lot at the end because I don't know what was worse, that Abel Cedillo uh, tried so very hard to lose this and successfully did it, or that Bob Baffert is, is literally just saying, if I can't go to the Derby, Nobody in California is going to the Derby because I'm taking all the points, all the titles, all the belts, all the records, and I'm taking the Preakness Stakes uh, winning your ends too. And that's what Black Adder gets for sneaking through. And Maldonado won this like a turf race. It's on synthetic, so it kind of made sense. Uh, what do you do with this race, Mike? Well, first off, you like Cedillo. I think he has one win on the turf so far at the Santa Anita meet. And this he just kind of got worked over here by Maldonado. It's kind of crazy, especially since McKinnon is the better horse here, right? I, I mean, I don't yeah. have any doubt about that. And the, the surface McKinnon took too fine. So it's not even like, well, the synthetic or it's dirt, and that's why McKinnon. No, no. The surface was fine. The ride was not great. Um, cost the best horse the race. You could kind of just, just took way too long to get out and get loose and then just couldn't clear away enough for before, what is it, Black Adder came after him. Um, I don't understand why, like – Side rant. Turfway and Golden Gate should not have derby point races. Like, we should not be running these synthetic derby point races. It doesn't make any sense to me. Like, like anyway, um, neither of these horses are relevant. Let's just be honest. McKinnon's a good turf horse. Yeah, he has one. Yeah, I remember. He won at the NHC weekend. Neither of us had him. Um, then we then made fun of him again. Uh, anyway, yeah, look, th these two horses are irrelevant in my mind. No, I don't think you're going to see Black Adder in the Preakness. I don't think you're going to see McKinnon going down the derby trail. I think this was a simple shot at taking a chance for some derby points in a race where no one else is going to go and win because it's on synthetic. And like, we need to get rid I can't believe that the one in Tampa or Turfway park is worth a hundred points too. It's, it's absolutely well, ridiculous. That's what happens when Churchill Downs runs the system there. They own the system. They make the rules and they own Turfway park and they want to make Turfway park more attractive. So they say here, a hundred points, not even 50, hundred points. Here you go. Yeah. It's, it's just ridiculous. Uh, it is. Uh, McKinnon, um, I was reading, I can't remember if it was Jay Privet, somebody on DVR, whoever wrote the, the recap on DR, I think it was Jay, talked about McKinnon's probably going to take a, a freshening now. He hasn't had a break since he debuted, and that was almost a year ago. Uh, that's pretty impressive for a horse that's uh, just entering his three year old season. So um, he's going to take a break and probably come back at Del Mar in the summer. We know he's going to be just fine on the turf there. Black Adder. Sure, go to the Preakness. Ron Bauer took this race and then went to the Preakness and won it last year. Uh, Del Mo is the other Doug O'Neill horse, so McKinnon's stable mate. He might go to Turfway and try it. Uh, wasn't terrible. I'd like to see if you do that, please bring Ruben with you. Ruben needs to get some more stakes mounts. Uh, but yeah, otherwise, it was a bunch of Golden Gate horses, and, and we talked about it uh, on the preview that we did together, Mike. There's a lot of stretch-out sprinters that were just, hey, let's give it a shot. <laughs> I would I would love Del Mo to go to Turf. Turfway, just because I like to see a California horse take those horses on, just to get some type of like measuring stick here, right? 
Because if if Delmore goes yeah. there Del, goes there and rolls, it's like all right, check all those horses. <laughs> and anyone that they lost to, like you could just cross out a lot more horses if that seems to happen. Uh, I got a great question here from Dennis. You redeemed yourself, okay, buddy. Uh, over under other trainers not named Bob Baffert winning a Derby prep in California. So uh, he sets it at point five. So will anybody not named Bob Baffert win? We only have uh, two left, right? We've got the San Felipe and the San Anita Derby. I don't see any reason he's losing those right now. Didn't didn't he lose one already though? Wasn't the doppelganger race a, a points race? Nope, not a points oh, race. Okay. The San Vicente. Right no, uh-huh. no, he's not going to lose one. It's good. No. He's going to win every single every single points race there. I think the better question: over under one and a half number of points races he wins outside of California. Uh, he's already gotten the uh, he took the Southwest with New Grange, who's pro- not going back to Oakland. So there's your San Felipe winner. Um, three and a half should be the number then, because he he already won with New Grange, right? He's going to win the Rebel with somebody. He even said, I don't know who I'm sending, but somebody, please be Doppelganger. Uh, He's he's going to the Rebel. He's going to send someone up to New York, right? To the wood. Yeah, why not? He already won one at at, at Golden Gate. He's probably going to win at Sunland, right? He won at Aqueduct last fall, if we want to count back that way. I mean, he's going to win five prep races outside of California. And, like, (laughs) honestly, man, like, if we could, we might enter you in a California prep race, you could get fourth, and you could make the gate. That's Lily's true because it'd probably be I the could, probably just be the fourth entry that makes the race go. I, Lily's three years old. I can get her out there. Hey, there the you go, nominator. <laughs> late, well, it's what five hundred dollar late nomination? Yeah, she's already got the goggles. They're winning yeah. goggles, by the way, We're right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, and I realize he hasn't won the Southern Derby in a while, but you know what? I'm not putting anything past him this year. He's kind of on when that, was it? That, that when was last time he right tried? Now. Well, yeah, when was the last time he tried with a horse that wasn't worth a claiming tag from someone else's barn? Well, I mean, that's what Blackadder is, right? <laughs> Thank you. There you go. Um, also, speaking to JD, I was going to bring this up. He says, it seems like a year where a horse could win the derby with only a made women and some hit-the-board-style point collectors. Um, uh, freaking uh, Bodie Express. Everybody's favorite Bodie Express could do it. You know, like... We talked about it so many times, even last fall, on the Race News team, Mike, that with if you really are going to take Baffert out of the equation... The entire thing is just a crapshoot because none of the trends from the years past fit because you've taken a major component out of it by removing the Baffert factor. Yeah, well, and, and you're, you're eliminating so many points that it's going to allow horses in certain areas where there's not Bafferts. Like, we could have, like, eight Louisiana horses because Baffert won't send one to Louisiana. Like, it, it's it's crazy where you could end up seeing these horses come from because of where points are being taken from in other circuits. Like, Florida could represent huge if Baffert doesn't send anyone. You could have 10 Gulfstream horses in the freaking field. Um, so we'll, we'll kind of see how that plays out as well. I, for one, well, I realize this is not the best crop. This is a really fun crop. I mean, oh like, yeah, because there's, there's no one that's that good. And we're getting like some crazy, like even that, that Tampa race with classic Causeway, that was a pretty wide open race. Classic Causeway ended up being the goods after the fact we could red board all we want, but like going into that race, it's like, yeah, I kind of want to take a price here. I want to take a swing with someone because it seemed like there was a ton of pace and it just, I have a, I mean, we got White Barrio at six to one. That was a good race. You had multiple horses at two to one. Like, it just seems like we're going to get good deep fields all over the place for these 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 uh, these these prep races. And that just wasn't the way it was last year. When you think about it, there's a lot of like short short favorites. I just don't see that playing out again this year. Uh... <laughs> Uh, Brian Shields, Bob's on a mission. He'll send horses across the country to take the available points. Are done Oakland. He's gonna do it at Oakland again. Yeah, going with uh, with Mike and I said, really, it's just like Bob. Um, actually, it, Aaron or Jared, somebody tweeted it last night during the Super Bowl during the like, game-winning drive. The the clip from uh, Major League where he's just walking around like he's running around the baseline uh, with the big brass balls. That's what Baffert's doing. He's just like I'm going everywhere. I'm just coming everywhere, coming all over the place. Uh, JD says, come on, slow closers from Aqueduct. My favorite horses to bet in the Derby. This is true. JD does love those and i actually there was one that just won over the weekend at aqueduct in the mud i was like it's a pleasure horse and i was like that one that one right there is going to win the goddamn wood memorial i'm going to staple him up right now i can't remember his name because he was that forgettable but i saw him out of curiosity jd does that ever work for you i can't remember the last aqueduct course to hit the board in the derby uh did tacitus hit the board by a disqualification no he was still fourth wasn't he or fifth he was still even with the disqualification of maximum security couldn't get on the board man poor tacitus even tacitus is <laughs> Okay, I think that's my answer. No, that's uh, that great. I, can't, I, I cannot remember like a, a Derby horse from Aqueduct doing well. I just, I, I'm sorry, Aqueduct. I love you. I well, it, really, but I'm sorry anyway. <laughs> it's like Dennis trying to defend Turfway because he's a, he's a company man for CDI. He says Turfway deserves one because of Animal Kingdom. Listen, uh, a drunk squirrel still finds his nuts once in a while. Okay, that's, that's kind of how I don't works. mind Turfway having one. 
Just put it on dirt. Get a dirt track around there. Let them run around on the dirt. Do 10 points. These little 10 point ones are fun. Put them in January when we're all still just kind of, you know, waiting. That works. That would be a prep for Keeneland, right? You know, work, work that into it. Yeah, that could work. All right, Mike. Uh, we've talked about uh, some derby stuff. Let's keep that going because on Saturday, Fairgrounds has an epic 13 race card. I just started looking at the wagering guide. We're doing the inside track to the Risen Star Stakes wagering guide at racenews.com. That'll be available soon. Aaron's already sent it to me. I started going through it. Uh, and Aaron sent it with a, the note that, holy shit, this field in this this card. So let's talk about it. This race is going to be, this is the first 50-point Kentucky Derby prep race of the season. Uh, the last couple of years, it's been a very exciting one. Uh, we got to see several horses come out of this race last year and do big things, including Mandaloon. But here we are looking at the Risen Star Stakes. Our boy Epicenter drew five, and God damn it, Papa Cap is inside of him once again. Uh, we'll do things a little differently. Let's kind of go horse by horse and talk about their chances, If we what we think their best way of winning could be if we like them as long shots. So a little Magic Mike spin. We'll start with Papa Cap, who uh, until very, until Classic Causeway won was your Kentucky Derby points leader because uh, he likes to finish second a lot. Third in this uh, in the Lacombe Stakes in his first race as a three-year-old, uh, just behind Epicenter and Call Me Midnight, who is not here, ironically. I can't really understand why Kent DeSormo is not running him here. But what do you think about Papa Cap? Um, no chance to win, but a high probability to hit the board. It kind of has one of those feelings, right? Where like, I just, I don't think Papa Cap's best effort wins this race, but man, he looks good in third or fourth. Yeah, I'm, I'm with, I, I would even go for second because he did, uh, that was his second race off the layoff. Um, you know, call me midnight did catch he and epicenter late. So, uh, new jockey, Tyler Gaffleon going to ride now for Cassie and that's Cassie's, uh, favorite boy toy, not named Edwin Gonzalez. So, uh, I think I'm with you. I think definitely if you want to play exact to try super, put that horse on your tickets, but you can save a little money and don't put him in the win spot. Russian tank. Oh, sorry. Did you want to do something else? No, no, I, I don't, I don't think he's going to improve that much second off here. I just I like and if he doesn't improve a lot, I just don't see how he wins. So I like, and this, I mean, I think this race is tougher than the last as well. I, mean, I think this field is, is deeper than um, than what he faced there in Lacombe. And remember too, he was second in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, and that race has not uh, come back very strong. Pinehurst, Oviat Class, Giant Game, uh, others—they've all uh, Barossa just lost very badly for someone else. Yeah, it's not a great field uh, so far. So something to keep in mind. The number two Russian Tank is going to be a longer shot. We know the morning line odds, but this is a horse who needed to go on the turf in four tries to break his maiden. Exits a couple of off turf races here where he was badly beaten by turf horses on the dirt. I don't understand why he's here. Does he have any chance to even hit the board? No, but he matters because he could be a problem with the pace. Um, coming out of five and a half furlong sprint, anytime he's gone a mile, he's been close to her on the lead, except for the, uh, the I guess, the race at Churchill Downs where he, he lost a rattle and roll. I, you got to think that the plan here is to send, 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 though. I mean, there's no other way he's going to win unless he gets the lead and somehow keeps going. So I would be very surprised if uh, Russian Tank doesn't at least factor into that early pace. A barn that uh, does decently at, at fairgrounds in, in certain situations, but graded stakes 0 for 2. Very much a long shot. Yeah, the pace factor, speed and quit. Uh, but again, it's going to screw things up for Epicenter. May screw things up for Epicenter. We'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, Trafalgar is a three-horse, also exiting the comp stakes. Was up kind of mid-pack, ran in place, finishes fourth. Now adds blinkers for Al Stahl. Uh, third start off the layoff. Chances of this horse hitting the border winning? Man, I mean, maybe, right? Like, I don't mind Trafalgar. The horse was one that I was interested uh, after the maiden breaking score. Came back at fairgrounds, ran pretty well. That last race just... I don't know what happened. It's kind of you. That was one of those spots where you were expecting the horse to take a step forward, right? Second off a layoff, and, and it ran over the track already. So there's no track excuses. And it just seemed like a logical step forward for a horse who, you know, seemed to do pretty well. So I, you know, I maybe get a bounce back effort here, but I, this is again, this, this this is tougher than Lecomte was, and extra sixteenth of a mile. I mean, it, yeah, yeah. This is one of those I'm on the fence in this spot. Uh, I'm going to pass on him because I think that this is a second tier horse and not a, not a knock on him. This is a horse I've loved for a long time since he was two, right? This is my, the first ever stable up star that I had uh, because uh, he was the only horse that closed into classic Causeway's gate to wire win at Saratoga when classic Causeway got that 90 buyer. Uh, and I was like, listen, this is the only horse that was moving. Play him next out. He won the next two races, but then he moved back up to stakes caliber competition and he got his butt beat. 
stakes this is only going to get harder than those two races i think this is it for him i think at this point we realize all right ease off of him maybe an unlisted stakes maybe two turn or a one turn race for him uh will be best tawny port is an undefeated brad cox horse in number uh, post number four and when you hear undefeated brad cox you think hey this is probably going to be a short price favorite but those were both on synthetic at turfway park and both very low speed figures so what do you do with this horse um, let other people bet it. <laughs> I get why the horse is here. You can take a swing with this horse, right? Like it, it makes sense. You saw the nice improvement, but yeah, I mean, look, this horse, you know, turf and dirt numbers are almost identical. So I wouldn't be shocked if the horse takes the dirt well, but you're going to need a massive improvement. This is a huge step up in class. The horse has been able to stalk those first two races, which I think is definitely a, a positive. Um, but the numbers just come up so light. It's going to be tough. Uh, I'm with you. Uh, the horse loved to close on Turfway Park's uh, synthetic. If you want to play this horse and a ticket fourth, maybe maybe he can close. And it seems like he's going to keep running. He is by Pioneer in the Nile out of Macho Uno, so that's why why synthetic works. But also the horse should be trucking and trucking and trucking. But I think fourth is is the best this horse is going to be able to do. Uh, to his outside is our boy Epicenter, uh, a second round draft pick in the fantasy league. Love this horse. Uh, a hard luck loser of the Lacomp Stakes last out. Did all the dirty work up front. Dispatches Papa Cap and freaking called me midnight. Just comes laughing right by to beat him. I still think he's a prime candidate here to win. Do you? Um, I think it's going to be tough. I, I it's just. <laughs> there's more speed we're going longer uh, there's just a lot of things that, are, that i think could could make it tough here for anyone who's on the lead to win let alone be epicenter I, I think epicenter probably does get the lead or is in the lead turning for home it's whether or not he's gonna be able to hold people off but, but this you know there's gonna be some good horses running after him here uh i think he's a strong candidate to i respect your opinion i think he's a strong candidate to win because of who's riding him the best goddamn closing jockey in the game joel rosario this horse is going to show a new dimension Joel's gonna go look at all this goddamn speed this is kind of stupid pull him back sit about third fourth uh fifth just right within stalking position and that's when we see that this horse has got a new dimension joel says i don't need to be on the front end to win takes off and wins that's that's how i imagine this happening but you are right and when you're betting this race uh strictly speaking there is a lot of speed be very careful with this horse he looks like he might be the best of all this speed so if you don't want to play him if he ends up being a really short price here second third kind of like what he did in lecomte that's a good spot to play him too yeah i mean i i i would love him to win and if he if he stalks i think he has a significantly better chance to win we've just never seen this horse stalk so you're, you're asking him to do something new against the best group he's faced which is you know a, a tall task but rosario uh can give some funky rides sometimes so maybe we will find out if he can stalk. who better to do it than joel rosario if you need to do something like that right let's let's give it a shot uh six pioneer of medina a horse who i keep showing seeing uh, all over the future odds higher odds than horses we actually like here in the states uh is one last out gate to wire going to mile the 16th we're going to mile and eighth now that was against optional claiming company broke his maiden at tampa todd pletcher trained another pioneer of the nile i, I don't know what do you think about him uh yeah i, I don't like this horse I, this is another one who i think you know against a, a different field could win a prep race but against this field i think it's going to be tough because he, he wants to be on the lead again i mean this is the reoccurring theme here if you can't figure it out is he wants to be on the lead because like six of these do um and, and pioneers of medina has won the two races he's won both were in wire to wire fashion. So um, I, I just, this, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for Pioneer of Medina to be able to wire this field. Yeah, and it's interesting that Luis Saez is going to be taking the mount uh, this weekend up at Fairgrounds, and he's normally a gate rough, a front-end gate rider, right? So you look at the past performance, you see Giroud did that, and you think, is Saez going to try and do something? I don't know. I'm with you. I don't think he's got enough speed uh, to do it. He chases and fades pretty badly. Uh, to his outside, Zandon, we'll see uh, how he returns. He broke his maiden on debut going six furlongs at Belmont, was asked to stretch all the way out to a mile and an eighth next out for the Remsen Stakes. Almost gets the job done. Mo Donegal beats him. I would argue that, uh, continue to argue that he should have been disqualified and uh, Zandon put up. But regardless, this is where he makes his three-year-old debut. You're asking him to, again, go a mile and an eighth after a long break or after a bunch of five, six furlong preps. So I feel like this is a really bad spot for him to show up because of how tough it came up. Yeah, I, I mean, a lot of this boils down to what your opinion of Mo Donegal is, right? I mm -hmm. mean, if you like Mo Donegal, you got to like Zandon. If you don't like Modonigal, you don't have to like Zandon. I don't like Modonigal. I don't think he had an excuse in that race in Florida. Uh, I, I think he's just kind of a grinder. Now, the mile and an eighth and getting having that uh, under your belt, I think, is a positive. I, I don't mind this spot for Zandon and the fact that he's coming off the layoff just because Chad Brown does so well off the layoff. But 
I'm not really a big fan of Zandon. I'm not really a big fan of the Remsen. I'm not really a big fan of Aqueduct horses trying to take on other other batches. And, and this is, again, a tough race. I think it's a tough spot to come back in. So um, I won't be using Zandon. His sire upstart uh, won several times going to mile and a 16th, but he really struggled every time he would go to a mile and an eighth. He was second in the Florida Derby, but uh, it, it wasn't that strong of a, of a second. And, and it's still, that was the one time that he really seemed to pop going that far. So I think the distance, the time off, the competition, I think this is a horse that might be small odds that goes completely off the board. So I want to take a shot against him. And speaking of horses at short odds, maybe you want to take a shot against the number eight, Smile Happy. The drama couldn't be building any better for this, Mike, because this horse wins the Kentucky Jockey Club in November and takes three months off when he comes back and he goes, what did I miss? Literally everybody that you beat in that race has come back and won a stakes race, it seems like. Uh, Classic Causeway, we just talked about. Way to Barrio in the Holy Bull stakes before that. Call Me Midnight won the Lacombe stakes on this track. All of that to say, horse is going to be a very short price. He's never been favored before. What do you do with Smile Happy? Probably put him on top. I mean, like, really? It, yeah, I think so. I like, I again, we're we're six days out from this, but that race has come back so well. I mean, Classic Causeway looks so good, and Smile Happy beat him by open lengths. Like, and White Barrio looked really good, and he beat White Barrio by open lengths. Like. He is the deserving favorite in this race. And and on top of that, the pace just sets up again for him. I mean, that Kentucky jockey got collapsed a little bit. Um, the pace runners, it was it was a, a faster pace, and I thought he got a perfect trip. But he's going to do that again, and he's going to get that trip again. And so, uh, man, I I don't want to pick McPeak. I don't want to pick the favorite. I don't want to pick Smile Happy in this spot because this is one of those where I just like, you want to bet against this horse. It's a horse you should bet against first time out long term you're going to make money betting against these type of horses and but this doesn't feel like one of those times that that's going to happen this is the one time i think that this is he is the most vulnerable he's the three-month break uh you've got the hype that is going to be impossible he needs to win this race by let's see he won his previous two races by about nine lengths he needs to win this race by nine lengths to meet the hype that's being built around him. He's been the favorite for every single Kentucky Derby future wager pool. Ironically, eight to one for all three of them. You're not getting eight to one here. I, assuming he's a very short price and maybe odds on, I, I don't want to play him. This is the one time I'm going to try and beat him. I think this is way too hard of a field for him to be coming back against, even though he's got tremendous back class, even though the horse has never gone one turn. He's only succeeded at two turns even though the pace sets up for him. So it's going to be interesting. I'm going to play against him. I think hitting the board is the best he can do. Uh, a couple questions I'm going to get to in the chat here. First from Steve. Mattress Matt going to fire away and smile happy. Odds on. Uh, let's talk about that. What do you predict his odds to be? Smile happy. Six to five. So not odds on. Okay. There is Listen, there is enough talent in this race, like Epicenter, to try and pull money away from him. That's why. I mean, I, I would think three to five. It would be the, if you if you took out, let's say, Epicenter and Zandon or Epicenter and Slowdown Andy, like then I think you'd, you'd see three to five. But I, I think you're probably going to see around six to five on, on race day, maybe around even money. And look, I think he deserves it. Like you're, you're how you're talking yes. about how good you're talking about how good this field is. Yeah, it's it's probably the the best field we've seen. But this is not a world beater class, right? And the horses that he beat are beating everybody handily easily. And so it's just like. It's it's tough for me to take a stand here. I don't like. I wish I could because this is a, a deep race, and I bet you know I may end up betting someone who I think gets overlooked on race day because they they end up twenty one in the gate. But it's going to be hard not to put Smile Happy on top in this race. All normal applicable handicapping uh, angles say to go with Smile Happy, but I'm saying I'm just I can't at this point. I, especially once we see what the prices are, he's going to be unplayable for me. Now, right. does he end up winning like? lights out the way classic causeway did at what we said was an unplayable price he might but that doesn't happen every time i'm hoping uh derby Bandit says i learned my lesson trying to be classic causeway he's not going to do the same so he's got smile happy to win i I'm, i will say this i cannot wait to bet against smile happy in the derby and that's where i think you eventually will end up with the the price like i i think he's going to win on sun, sunday saturday right now again we're five days out six days out mm-hmm. i may change my mind but right now I think Smile Happy is going to be my pick on top. But I love the idea of, of being able to bet against this horse in the future. And then it's, this just isn't the spot in my mind. 
The bluegrass is on April 9th. I was trying to figure out, assuming Smile Happy wins this race or does very well, where does he go? I think McPeak spaces it out. Louisiana Derby would be relatively quick for a second start back. I think he uh, moves away. Listen, I'm all for Mattress Mac having success. The guy is, is doing amazing things trying to keep horse racing alive and keep things exciting. So I'm all for it, and, and he always does great things with his money for the city of Houston. Um, so I, I'm with you. It's going to be interesting. Listen, we got two, we got a couple more horses to talk about. I know Smile Happy is the one we're all excited about. Uh, but we got two Brad Coxes. The second one is Bodak, a Calumet Farm uh, homebred. He is a son of Street Boss, who is a champion sprinter. The horse has never gone beyond six furlongs. Let's try him out in eighth against a really tough field here, Mike. Yeah, I mean, the bottom side has the pedigree. <laughs> it's an AP Indy on the bottom, right? Yeah. And, and Magic always says the mare matters more than the, the sire, right? I have never said that. I All the time. Sometimes. The time. Sometimes. <laughs> uh, I, I'm, like, semi-interested in this horse. Like, if you want a crazy price, I think you could do a lot worse than Brad Cox trying to send this horse two turns. Um, it has been shown the ability to rate, which I think is important in this field. Uh, so I, I wouldn't I wouldn't talk anyone off Bodoc. We'll put it that way. By the way, if Lannery and McPeak are the, the favorite in the Derby, I'm going to be so happy. <laughs> That's all I got to say. That's true. Um, do you know, actually, where's Aaron? I wish Aaron was here. Uh, Aaron, says, What's, Aaron says, what's better than one Cox, two Cox? Uh, his full brother. Do you remember Hentz from the Kentucky Derby in 2017? This is Hentz's full younger brother, uh, who was, by Street Boss, a champion sprinter. So, uh, though he got there because he won the Sunland Derby. Um <laughs> For going last to first in 11 horse field but he made it to the kentucky derby went to the preakness wins the iowa derby so he actually did have a little bit of talent so uh yeah it, i make fun of it but you're right brad cox wouldn't just send this horse here for shits and giggles he wouldn't send him a mile and eighth when fairgrounds has 13 races on this card you could have found somewhere for this horse to go so yeah <laughs> now the argument could be uh Giroux is probably on the better horse the better so since this is the the cox without Giroux. That may be a knock here against a Bodoc, but I still think Bodoc's going to be interesting. You're going to get the price. Like, that's the thing. The price will be right on this horse. If the uh, price is not right on this horse, I almost get more scared. Like, if this horse is loading at three to one, I'm like, ugh, <laughs> something. I will tell you, uh, if this horse wins or does very well, it's good for us because he beat our boy Strava, who was in our fantasy league, who I thought for sure was going to be in this field. I don't know where he's at. He's um, somewhere. Have you yet? Yet? Uh, listen, tune it. Tune into the uh, the fantasy shake tomorrow on uh, Racing Dudes YouTube channel. See what uh, see what happens there. All right, last horse. Slow down, Andy. This is an important one because a Calbred that went to the Low Sal Futurity upsets Messier, and then we've seen Messier when he leaves Low Sal. Really great horse. He's probably he's the top horse right now at racingnews.com for the Kentucky Derby rankings. If Excellent. Baffert horses were able to to compete uh, or earn points, everybody would have that. So, uh, oh, he is running an allowance on this card. Thanks. I wonder where's job. We're still dropping him. We're still dropping him. That's okay. Uh, slow down, slow down, Andy. Beats Messier, uh, but we haven't seen him since then. And then Doug O'Neill. It's interesting. He sends him here instead of facing Messier in the Robert B. Lewis. So, what do you do with slow down, Andy? Well, this kind of feels. A little bit like uh, like Pat Red Charlie, right? I mean, sending him here after after so we get away from those California horses. Um, I wish that race wasn't at Los Al. I mean, that to me is the biggest issue I have here. Now, it was favored against Phineas the time before that, um, but I really wish that race wasn't at Los Al. The, the bottom with Square Eddie concerns me a little bit when the distance gets longer, but Nyquist on the top is, is good, and Nyquist has been a great sire so far, so love that part of it. I wouldn't be shocked, but I'm probably not going to bet this horse. Same. I, I feel the same way. Uh, this is a, a great measuring stick, and I love that you brought up Hot Rod Charlie because going into the Louisiana Derby last year, we were all about this fairgrounds group. We're like, well, we got to see somebody come in. And Hot Rod Charlie came in, and in Louisiana people did a great job, and Hot Rod Charlie just kind of went, no. So you could see that happen with Slow Down Andy. You could see him come in and be a great measuring stick. If he comes in and even runs well against Smile Happy, I think that really solidifies, further solidifies Messier's uh, placement right up there at the top of Smile Happy. Well, that's the thing. I, the problem with this is I don't think we learn much from slowdown any running in this race because Messier is 0 for 2 at, at Los Al, right? So I, how much credit do you give slowdown Andy for winning that? If he runs right with this group, we don't really learn that much because we've never seen slowdown Andy go two turns in California. So like you just have the, there's no real barometer, no A to B that you can really make it from a comparison perspective because that race took place at Los Alamitos and it, it wasn't on the dirt and it was the first time going two turns. So the improvement could have been because of two turns. It could have been because of Los Alamitos. And then he goes here and faces this group 
it's back on dirt. So if he does terrible, you could say, well, he just doesn't like dirt. But does that mean Messier sucks? Like, <laughs> so it's just it's hard to really take too much from this thing. Well, I'm going to take. I like doing that. <laughs> I'm going to take away that Epicenter is still the best horse. Uh, I think Epicenter is going to have a great race. Um, I, I just I like him too much. But from a betting perspective, uh, there's so much speed in here. Be very careful with him. Uh, I'm going to say be careful with, with Smile Happy. It's a McPeak. At, he's never been favored, and now he's going to be a short price. But it's a lot of fun, right? And again, thank you, Fairgrounds. You got this out a week out. We're talking about this on Monday. We're just going to keep talking about it and getting more excited. Um, probably get a lot more betting dollars invested in this by the th time things are said and done. If you want full card thoughts for the entire 13 race event Saturday at Fairgrounds, uh, go to racesuits.com. The inside track to the inside track to the Risen Star Stakes wagering guide will be available soon. Once we wrap this up, I'll be hard at work editing Aaron's uh, good information in there. So make sure you check that out. If you are a premium product subscriber for 30 days for the summer bombs and premium products, anything like that, you get this included. So because of how many guides we have coming out with all the Derby preps leading up to the Derby and the Triple Crown season, if you end up being a premium products or a 30-day month subscriber or longer than that, you get all these for free. It's a really tremendous guide. So make sure you check that out. Mike, I'm wearing my LA Rams jersey. It's the Jerry Goff jersey, which I feel like it's Jerry Goff is partially responsible because without Goff, you don't get Stafford. Without Stafford, you don't get yet another epic fourth quarter drive. Uh, but the LA Rams win the Super Bowl. I didn't get to see a lot of it because I was busy with my child. It's kind of a hit and miss for me. What were your overall thoughts on the game? Uh, really entertaining game. A lot of fun. Um, pretty poorly coached. <laughs> like, it was a lot of questions about some of the decisions that were made, especially the end of the first half. And McVay's uh, just a blatant need to run the ball in first down was just wild to me uh at the third and one with the, the late in the game giving the ball to p ryan interesting like that your season literally you're playing for the super bowl super bowl is on the line it's third and one from midfield and you're handing it to your backup running back out of the shotgun okay all right that's a that's a choice um but again just absolutely a, a fun game right i love that it was close that was enjoyable it looked like the rams were going to blow them out for a minute there um and since he kind of did what since he did beckham's injury was awful i think the game would have been very different without beckham mm -hmm. uh, or with beckham in there uh so it was it was, and it was tough to just see him go down like that because that looked like a, an acl mcl injury right when you saw it because it's anytime it's non-contact knee that's never never a good thing so it was a bummer to lose him uh once that extra point was missed you kind of knew that it was gonna land on three <laughs> that was gonna cost the cover because that's the nfl for you um the, that hitting the under in the first half was great uh had the under for the game that was kind of nice too i think it's wild that Cincinnati is 15 to 1, 14 to 1, right, or 12 to 1 right now, tied for fourth choice to win the Super Bowl next year. Uh, I mean, the, so many things would have to go right for this this run to be made again. Um, I, I think the Rams legit could get back there again, uh, depending on how that kind of plays out. But the one thing you're going to take, there are two things you'll remember from this are the halftime show, which was phenomenal. I mean, phenomenal. And as someone who like, that was, that was me. I am the demographic of that halftime show. Um, and Cooper Cup and that drive specifically when Stafford's like screw it we're just throwing a cup every play like that that was excellent as well that that one's going to go down in Super Bowl lore it was so I so I missed most of the the second half until probably I'd see the halftime show which was the whole I, I we talked about before that was the thing I was looking forward to the most um and I agree with you didn't the one complaint that I had is that it ended and we just kind of looked at each other like Wait, was that it? That was there were no like actual like boom fireworks, no like big bass drop or mic drop. It was just kind of like the song ended. It just kind of lingered, and even the stars were just kind of like, oh, we're done. Yeah, okay, great. It's almost like they had like there was they thought there was another thing to go or something. But um, yeah. <laughs> I heard this from more than one person. Uh, different comments about it about my boy Fitty uh, looking a little chubby, a little, a little heavier than Fitty. Uh, well, he, he changed his name, didn't you know? No. He's three fitty now. Oh, get out of here. <laughs> three fitty. Oh, God. And I've got a South Park clip on the back end, but not that one. God, God see this magic. Be prepared. Get your shit together. Yeah. Uh, magic. <laughs> we talked about, uh, you talked about props uh, last week's show where first song where Lose Yourself uh, was my pick. And then like a couple days before it got a ton of steam and suddenly was like the heavy favorite. And then the day, like I think 20 minutes before the halftime show, I just looked and I saw that a uh, prop was the last episode or any other song. And I went, I think last episode is going to be the first song. <laughs> well, it, 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 
I would have been happy if that thing went another 20 minutes. Like I watched oh, yeah. it again after the Super Bowl just to make yep. sure like I didn't miss too much of it. Uh, over eight and a half songs hit because that was the number over under eight and a half. I was like, that's a lot. Oh, yeah. All of them um, definitely going over. Coolest thing about that halftime show, though. Do you know how much they got paid to do it? No. Did they donate it or? You know who, who paid for the majority of that? What? This Dr. Awesome. Dre paid the majority of the $7 million budget to do that show. And they, did not, oh. and they did not get paid. Oh, that makes it even better. Isn't that oh, crazy? That's so cool. I, so one of my favorite parts, I thought you were going to say, that is amazing. I'm glad you told told everybody that. Um, you lived in L.A. for a while. The backdrop or the, the pad that they used to cover the field, every time they did an aerial shot, it looks like when you're flying into LAX at yep. night and you're like, oh, I'm home, it's nighttime, like – Every time I got a little bit of chills, I was like, ah, that's, like that's so cool. Like, uh, And the, the way that they – the costumes all fit, like, whatever song or whatever region of L.A. they were supposed to be representing in that song. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, it was so great. Uh, so I I'm glad to, you – I have to say, I heard that this was supposed to happen. I thought that there was going to be a, t- a Tupac joining them, too. I heard it was going to happen, and then it didn't end up happening. Oh, so I was kind of by that. Is so that what – is that what, maybe that's why they like they all held there and they were like waiting for like Tupac to show up and they're like do another song and then they're like no okay no we're good all right <laughs> that would have been nice um uh let's see <laughs> I had Team America in mind thought he liked about a buck oh five <laughs> good one JL uh let's see um the best ads what, did you have a favorite commercial in the game there was one for me particularly that stood out but what about you it was tough. So I watched it with my sister and her family and my parents, and we had four kids and 10 balloons in the house. So uh, the commercials were hard to watch. So I haven't seen any of the commercials. <laughs> Wasn't that Tupac on the roof at the end? I thought that was Dre. I thought Dre was looking down at the masterpiece he created. I thought that's what that was. Um, I might be wrong. Um, my favorite was there's a Toyota one, and it was simple. But it's why I love Like We were getting annoyed with all the celebrity cameos they weren't funny and they were like you have Anna Kendrick and Anna Kendrick and and she wasn't funny and she wasn't cute she was just kind of boring I'm like you can't you're wasting a bunch of talent mm-hmm. uh but they had one where Tommy Lee Jones come out and he's driving his truck you know it's Tommy Lee Jones a real rugged cowboy he's driving his Toyota pickup truck it's pretty rugged and then Leslie Jones shows up in like the hot rod version of the Toyota pickup truck she's like what's up Jones what's up Jones and then Rashida Jones from Parks and Rec she pulls up in a Toyota she says, what's up Jones so it's like so then they get to the top of this mountain. This fourth truck rolls up, and you're like, all right, who's the, they build the suspense? Who's the other Jones? It's Nick Jonas. He's like, what's up, guys? And they're like, Jones? Jones? He's like, it's keeping up with the Jonases, right? And they're like, no. And they just, like, burn out and leave him in the background. <laughs> but it was just, like, the celebrity cameos were used properly. You used yep. their, their character. Like, every, it didn't last too long. It was a nice 30-second clip. It, it was, like, to me, it was, like, that was the perfect Super Bowl commercial. You did everything, and I remembered it was a Toyota truck. Yeah. I will say the one thing that pop stuck out at me because I was I did see some of them, uh, heavy representation from the American Pie movie. <laughs> you had like three or four people from American Pie that were all yeah. <laughs> so like Stifler's mom made it. Eugene Levy was in there. Uh, so was, yeah, so that was the one thing I kept noticing. There was a lot. Yeah, <laughs> there were a lot of um, not just the halftime show was catering to our demographic, Mike. Yeah. There were a lot okay. of stars. I think that's why the American Pie people they've run out of things to do and then they got to. No, no, no. I wasn't speaking. I, I said that they. Jail. That was that like. They 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 she, used she her poorly. She was talented, so we're gonna let it slide. Yes, she's she's beautiful. She's talented. She's incredible. I'm saying that they used her poorly. It was some stupid like they acted like it was a Barbie commercial and it turns into a mortgage thing. And I was like, also the crypto commercials. Why were there so many? There were like more than zero is too many, and there were like five. Well, did you know? Okay, so the the barcode or the the QC code that was going. Yeah, around. fuck that one. Do you know that that so in so Coinbase went from the 165th app in the Apple iTunes store to second after that commercial? I knew it was gonna work. I think that's why I hated it the most. Their site went down. They were so busy after that commercial. It crushed. Uh, for if it, like for a second, I was like, I know this isn't it, but I was like, you remember that episode of The Office when they're the cold open when they're all watching that screensaver waiting for it to hit perfectly in the corner? I thought it was going to be something for the office because that's one of the most famous things where they're all just sitting there in the conference room during a meeting. Uh, sorry, Aaron. Um, shit, we got a meeting. Let's keep this going because I don't want to do the staff meeting. Uh- <laughs> uh, we haven't talked about this yet. It's so spoiler warning in case you were watching Mandalorian season three. Oh, I mean, uh, Boba Fett. What did you what did you think? What do you think of the last episode? Oh, boy. Uh, I enjoyed it, and I, the more I think about it, the less I like it, so I stopped thinking about it. I just enjoyed it. 
like there are more holes in this damn thing than, than slices of Swiss cheese. It the, is the, than in the deputy at uh, for Cobb Vant. Yeah, I mean it is crazy. And then they killed off the the dude with the blue face, who's a great character. Like, what are you doing? He was there? old. They're gonna bring him back in like the earlier shows, like Obi Wan Andor. Those take place before this. They'll oh. keep bringing him back, but no, he's yeah. Yeah, and then by the way, stop shooting at the shield that you can't shoot through. At some point, just try something else instead of turning around, shooting it, and then running away. And thank God that, that those things couldn't hit anything. Like that was like stormtroop stormtrooper style or whatever the hell they're called style shooting there. I mean, it was just big blast. No accuracy. No accuracy. <laughs> I, my favorite to get through that wall at the end, even though they shot at it for twenty five minutes. Like this whole season of Bo- the whole Boba Fat part, I could have done in twenty five minutes every episode. And the Mandalorian stuff was great. But the yep. boat that stuff you could do in 25 minutes it was ridiculous yeah it wasn't it was it had its listen the highs there were enough highs that i looked back on it and was like that's great but then okay, let's never well, let's never do this again every single high was a mandalorian thing though yeah yeah probably i can't think of any right now oh you know what the, the chicago land style bombing uh in the sixth episode that was cool <laughs> Because so a lot of people that were annoying got blown up, and it was kind of a reference to, uh, uh, oh, shoot, freaking, I can't think right now. So Untouchables, the Untouchables. And, and Boba wasn't in that scene, right? It was just two people. It was, Gar- it was Garza Thwip, yeah. She's so about to go, oh, shit. Walking into a bar and then walking out, that's the really cool part that you're, yeah, so that would take, I could have filmed that in 20 seconds. I don't even need 25 minutes. Uh, this should have been 25 seconds ago. Listen, thanks everybody for joining us in this episode of the Magic Mike Show. We had a lot of fun. Uh, we're going to be looking at Gulfstream Park this Saturday's uh, Gulfstream Park Late Pick 4 on our Thursday show. So come back here at uh, 2 Pacific, 5 Eastern on Thursday. Make sure you go to racingnews.com. Check out the handicapping products page. And we also have the inside track to the Risen Star Stakes wagering guide to you very soon. Follow us on Twitter. I'm at Curtis Kellowart. He is at Sambobom, 18, number one, number eight, corporate overlords at racing underscore dudes. Mr. Samich, any final words? All right. Until next time, I'm Magic. Oh, and I'm Mike. Have a good one, guys. This has been a presentation of RacingDudes.com, your destination for all things horse racing and sports betting. Whether you want free winners, expert insider picks, up-to-the-minute trackside weather reports, or podcasts and videos for bettors of all skill levels. Never make another wager without visiting the Racing Dudes first.